0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to our Bears-Eagles wildcard postgame show. The final whistle just sounded, and our Bears ended up on the wrong side of this one by the final score of 16-15 to in a game that was pretty much decided in the final second here by no other than Cody Parkey with another doinked field goal attempt. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and to help me break down the final Bears game of the season, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett Guys... Do you want to get anything off your chest before we get going into the show? As I drop my pen. I think that's a no. Well,
1: I was kind of waiting for Nick, but apparently he uh, didn't have anything. So I was going to say it doesn't just end on a doink. It ends on a double doink because it also hit the bottom upright as well when he missed it. So if it's not a punch in the face, it's at least two punches.
0: Well, (laughs) you know, even worse.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I I have nothing. I am. I'm devastated. I came up to my room. I I put in the group chat that we're in. I didn't even want to do the show. It it hurts to see it come down to that because I knew if that was the case, it's Cody Parkey. He's been like this all season. Can you rely on the guy? No. And it just proved it. He lost his job. There's no way in hell he can come back. It's it's so disappointing that the Bears season ends because Cody Parkey can't do his job. Out of all the guys that do their job on this team, they have done it throughout the season. He's the one guy that's been the worst at it.
0: It's awful. Yeah, you know, it's been something that we've been dealing with all year. It was our one concern heading into the playoffs. I even tweeted out before the game, what's your one concern for today's game or your biggest? And 90% of the replies was Cody Parkey, and this is a big reason why. And you can look at this from two ways. You can say that he was the reason why we're in it to begin with at the end of this game with his field goals he made earlier, but when it came down to it with the game on the line for us to move on or season over... He did what he's done all year long, and that's hitting the upright, which that's my perfect segue to my monster moment. That's it. I mean, that is what defined this game one way or another, no matter what happened, no matter if it was Tariq Cohen's 35-yard return uh, right after the Eagles got the touchdown. It's not even the Eagles getting that two-yard touchdown here with 56 seconds left. It all comes down to Cody Parkey. We've talked about it all year long in some crucial situations. We were in Miami. He missed the kick in overtime. That allows a loss. Same kind of deal here, but it goes back to uh, the doinks with all these upright hits, which is its unbelievable. You couldn't make it up if you tried. Uh, I don't think he could have done it if he tried. It's just its crazy. It really is. But, Brandon, I'm going to go over to you. Uh, what's going to be your final stat of the game?
1: Uh, Yeah, the final stat of the game and, and for the year, I guess, for that matter, which is really sad. Uh, It's not just that Cody Parkey missed the field goal, but the Bears really just failed to execute, especially in the in the money area, the the red zone. They went 0 for 3 in the red zone today. And, you know, if you execute on one or even two of those chances, it may not even come down to Cody Parkey. I mean, it's a whole different, you know, it's a totally different ballgame at that point. So really, it's just failure to execute. Uh, even on the, the two-point conversion, maybe they would have, you know, if you go for the extra point, I mean, those are all questions that you look at in hindsight. And the time, I like going for two. Uh, but it, it's just something that they have to be able to execute. And We've seen it all throughout the year, but uh, against the Eagles team that was hot coming in, uh, we knew that the the game was going to be won and lost in the trenches when the Bears run offense and the Eagles run defense. And I thought the Eagles uh, kept it pretty balanced for the most part, and that's why we ended up seeing a, a pretty close game. So, uh, really, just failure to execute, especially in the red zone, going over three.
0: Nick, am I wasting my time if I have to hand it to you for a knock? It's an it's look.
2: It's a knack and a knock, but more so a knock because it took so long for Matt Nagy to actually test these Eagles DBs. It took him until, what, a couple minutes, you know, trailing in, in the fourth quarter where now Nagy's getting very aggressive and attacking these DBs, which is a weakness for the Eagles secondary. But he at least tried it at the end there. But that should have been the game plan all along. It was a very conservative effort for the Bears offense in the beginning. And that's why they weren't scoring points. That's why they didn't do well in the red zone. So, It's a knock because Matt Nagy really wasn't himself, especially in that first half.
3: How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors?
4: Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client.
3: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.
2: And that's why that Bears offense didn't get going. Um, I was really surprised to see that it didn't continue or it didn't happen in the beginning because it was only at the end there where you saw the deep shots where Mitch Trubisky was accurate. Allen Robinson was making, you know, a bunch of catches being the Allen Robinson that we've seen all season. But it took it was just already too late in the game to where, why wasn't that the game plan going forward in the beginning? It just didn't make any sense. So that's
0: a knock for the game. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense to me, man. Uh, Moving on to the lowdown. I'm going to take a stab at this and you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong for me, uh, the specific reason why the bears lost today outside of the obvious one being Cody Parkey, is that not one phase or the – we couldn't play any complimentary football today, I guess is what I'm going to say, because when in the first half, when the defense was playing very well, the offense was having a hard time really executing on some of these turnovers, and some of these Bears three outs that they were forcing. And then in the second half, after the offense started getting going, like you said, Nick, getting more aggressive and finding ways to put a point, down the end it was the defense who ended up missing some tackles on that key final drive for the Eagles that allowed the Bears to be behind here in the final minute of the game. And then, of course, after the offense – combats that by getting down the field with a couple of great throws for Mitch special team lets us down so for me it's just the Bears inability to kind of have some complimentary football to have one unit help out the other today um it just seemed like we weren't able to all kind of step up at the same time do you guys agree do you guys have any other specific reasons outside of Captain Obvious that why we lost this game
1: yeah I think it kind of comes down to uh the First touchdown drive, uh, when it's third and long, third and seven, third and nine, something like that, uh, and Zach Ertz has obviously dropped the ball along the sideline. Adrian Amos comes in and and hits him, you know. So now he's a defenseless player. That's a fifteen yard penalty. Then Amukamara, uh, on that same drive gets a defensive PI. So I think the strongest uh, unit that's kept the Bears together all year had one really bad lapse on that whole drive. Because then that touchdown, they ended up, I think there was 10 guys on the field. So they didn't even have the right personnel out there. don't even have all the right guys out there. So it just, the strength of the team all year ended up uh, having a huge mental lapse on one big drive that could have been prevented from, you know, it could have been a three and out.
2: Yeah. Hey, Brandon, you talked about the uh, the defense there. So I'll just talk about the negatives on the offense. When you saw them scoring those field goals in the beginning, most likely it was because of a Eagles penalty that happened that sustained these Bears drives in the first place. So they weren't really doing it themselves. It was more so the Eagles mistakes that was allowing the Bears to maybe capitalize to score on some points. So yeah, like, Will, you said it, there was, there was some missed opportunities on all sides of the ball today. And, When it's the playoffs, you can't have that happen because once you do, look, everything gets just uh, magnified when it's in the playoffs. You take advantage of each situation. The Bears didn't, and it happened in all phases today, and that's why they ultimately lost this game. And, of course, it comes down to Cody Parking making that field goal, but there's a lot of other factors that led up to this. It's just disappointing that it did come down to him doing what he's done all season, which is missed field goals.
0: Couldn't say it any better myself, Nick. Moving right along, guys, even though season's over, we still have to figure out who's going to be the MVB, which, again, he makes that kick. This is a joyous situation, and we would have some you know great picks here, and the whole tune would have been a 180, but that's the NFL. It's a game of inches. It's a game of a couple of feet here for the Bears on defense. But, Brandon, I'll go to you first for your MVB choice or a couple prime candidates here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Roquan Smith. I think he just played a very excellent, well-rounded game, played very well in coverage, had the interception early, and then on the misdirection in the second half, uh, he picks up Golden Tate, who's running the opposite direction, and from being behind him, probably seven, eight yards, catches up to him, turns and looks for the ball, so that way it's not a defensive P.I. I thought he just overall played a, a very solid game. He was in there on the pass rush. He was in there stuffing runs as well. Uh, so I, I thought he overall played a very well, a very sound game on his part for, for a rookie. I thought he played very well in his first NFL playoff game.
2: Mm,
0: good stuff. What about you, Nick?
2: I think I'm going to go with Mitch Trubisky on this one. I know in the beginning it was a little shaky. There were a couple of balls that he threw that could have been intercepted. Um, lucky that they weren't. But you just see him how he's able to, you know, come back from that that first half that didn't go his way into the second half where he's just making decisive throws, Is you know, giving uh, his receivers opportunity to make some plays. Mitch Trubisky really stepped up and he, he put the Bears in position to even get to that field goal opportunity. And he really grew up in front of our eyes. There were a bunch of young quarterbacks today and yesterday in these playoff games that just weren't up to the task for these playoffs. You saw it, Deshaun Watson and, you know, even Lamar Jackson at times. But Mitch Trubisky, for him to do what he did, and especially in that second half and when the game really counted, I was really proud to see what he did. Um, I think the bears, the bears are definitely in good hands with him and, you know, just give him some more time to develop in this offense. He's just going to be more decisive with all those decision-making and he, he battled through an injury in the beginning there. We don't know what the severity of it was. Um, if it really affected his, uh, running ability, but he was able to play through it and, you know, ended up, uh, having a game that he did. So I'm going to have to give it to Mitch Trubisky for this one.
0: Yeah, it's pretty, I'll say brutal that the bears, you know, Trubisky, he had over 300 yards passing today. And yet we're still on the opposite side here, the final score in a game that didn't even clip 20 points by either side of the, you know, either team today. Uh, But for me, uh, my MVP, I'm going to go with Allen Robinson with a 10 catch 143 yard performance today. He came up with some very clutch catches in the second half of this ballgame. Uh, for some huge chunks. I don't have the numbers right here in front of me. I'm not going to scroll down in my notes to kind of go find them. I know one was over 40 yards. Um, And for him to just go ahead and come up with those catches, um, especially with those double moves, those are reasons why we brought him in here to be that big-time threat. And, again, averaging 14.3 yards per catch, uh, catching 10 of his 13 targets today. He's someone that Trubisky was able to rely on here on the sidelines where the middle of the field was very congested. It was a day where you really do miss like a Trey Burton. Uh, so for him to have that threat outside of the numbers in Allen Robinson today, uh, especially in the second half, was a big reason why the Bears offense was finding some success here late in the game. So for me, Allen Robinson is going to be my final MVP of this season. All right, well, that's going to wrap up the first quarter of our postgame show. And before we enter the second quarter and break down the Bears' offensive performance just a little bit more, I'm going to call a quick timeout and tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the place to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's something like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, something I personally like about SeatGeek is how you're able to sort by value and also set your maximum price. That way you know the tickets that you're looking for are the best seats available for the budget that you have in place. And on top of that, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever because they search multiple ticket sites. They read every ticket based on a value. And by doing so, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. So make Geek... Make, make Geek make your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And, of course, everyone here at the Chicago Audible has the SeatGeek apps on our phones, our devices, by far. The easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets, we've done it for Bears games, we've done it for concerts, us awesome. Few other things in between throughout the years, so definitely check it out. And the best part of all is that our listeners do get ten dollars off their first Seeky purchase. Just download the Seeky app and enter the promo code Bears today. That's promo code Bears B E A R S for ten dollars off your first Seeky purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Euros Wildewit. I'm joined by my trusty co-hosts Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlet. We're breaking down the Bears' sixteen to fifteen wild card round loss here against the Eagles, and it's now time to dive into our discussion on the Bears offense and also kind of pick ourselves up just a little bit here, which is beyond difficult to say the least. Brandon, I'll go to you first because you're the most even keeled of the bunch. Any opening thoughts here on the Bears offense?
1: Yeah, I I've got a lot I've got some praise for Matt Nagy and also some um some negative things I guess, low lights, whatever we want to call them, because uh, 'cause I'm struggling to come up with a word for it right now. Uh, we'll start with the highlights, though. So he he was aggressive when he needed to. He kept his foot on the gas like he needed to, especially in the second half when momentum was really switching each and every way. Uh, so that was it was nice to see that he's able to, to keep up with that pace. But then at the same time, early in the game, uh, I think that he was just really trying to put too much on Mitch. I don't know how many times he's thrown for more than 40 passes in a game, but today Mitch was 26 of 43. And Jordan Howard only had 10 carries on the day, 18 for the team in total. It seemed like any time there was a negative run, uh, he just shied away from it. They just went to the passing more. And I don't know if the Eagles were expecting that. I mean, I, I think Matt Nagy might've been looking at the young DBs and going, we can take advantage of that. And then they, they really didn't, especially in the first half when I thought they should have this to, to really set the tone. Uh, but regardless, uh, Jordan Howard was hot coming into this one. And he didn't really give him much of an opportunity in this one. I, I mean, some of it kind of comes down to how the how the game's going. Uh, but Howard had a, had a few chances where he could have really busted some big runs. He was tripped up once he exploded through the hole. There were one or two that I can really think of where he was close, and then Matt Nagy never really went back to it. I was kind of disappointed in that. Uh, but overall, a very good job also by the offensive line. They didn't allow a whole lot of pressure in this one. Fletcher Cox gave Kyle Long, you know, his hands full, definitely uh, each and every time, so that's understandably a tough one to to fight up against. But overall, the offensive line did good in pass pro, and they really set up the holes in the running game for the most part. Uh, just the Eagles linebackers were able to sniff out a couple of those runs that created negative yardage, and then Nag- Nagy shied away from it.
0: Yeah, I think for me, my biggest gripe is not getting Jordan Howard the ball more today. He only had, like you said, the 10 carries. And he was able, especially early on, uh, get some very positive yards on the ground. And I was confused why they didn't seem to stick with it. Instead, they're doing the short, quick passing game, which wasn't working at all here in the first half. And instead, he's giving carries to uh, Benny Cunningham on third down. You're getting a carry Mm -hmm. to to Quan Mazzel. Those are two carries they can give Jordan right there. And on top of that, too, Tariq Cohen, only one carry for him. He's someone who's averaged, um, I believe, near five yards per carry for the season. Uh, for him to only have one today also seems like a little bit of an oversight. Um, Obviously, he's one of your best playmakers on the field and on offense. He only had four total touches today, which I understand with Trey Burton being out, some of the focus maybe shifts over to a Tariq Cohen a little bit, especially in the middle of the field. But to me, it kind of blows my mind that your best playmaker and actually maybe best two playmakers of uh, Dorn Howard and Tariq Cohen only get 14 touches between the two here on offense. And yeah, we can look at Mitch's yards in the second half, which was, of course, elevated by the play of Allen Robinson, a big catch from Josh Bellamy as well. But outside of that, very curious why the Bears ditched the run so early. So again, we've had that. Earlier this season. We haven't had it lately, and it kind of reared his ugly head again, just kind of like Cody Parkey. And real quick, too, I'm going to jab whenever I can, by the way. <laughs> I did see that Robbie Gold was in attendance today, too. Uh, so if he's still in there, and if someone's listening is from Soldier Field, find him. Keep him in there for the off season. He's a restricted free, uh, non-restricted free agent. We can make him a restricted free agent if he stays in Soldier <laughs> Field. And then make sure he can sign with us so then we don't have to worry about this. Again, bring Robbie back. 2019. But Nick, how about you? Anything general that you want to mention? I know you've talked about the offense a little bit um, at the top of the show, especially with your knack. Anything else, or do you want to jump into uh, some players here? Well, I mean, with that offense,
2: Trey Cohen, like you mentioned, it will. He had four total touches on offense in this game, and you mentioned that maybe with Trey burning out, some of the focus shifts. It- to Tariq Cohen, but that's unacceptable that your guy that has been such a focal point for your offense throughout the entirety of the season gets four total touches in a playoff game where it's a guy that can make a big play at any moment and you see what he did on the kick return, just get the ball in his hands, he makes good things happen. But four total touches for Tariq Cohen and just for the and Jordan Howard as well, unacceptable for what Matt Nagy did in this game. I know the Eagles are doing having they're making it tough for the Bears offense to move the ball at times, but you gotta find a way. Find a way to get the ball to Tariq Cohen and let him do his thing. And that just didn't happen today. And you, when you look back at it, and we'll have time to break down the film later if we really want to, just to uh, watch this game over again. But there's got to be moments in this game where Tariq Cohen should have gotten the ball, but he just didn't. So that's definitely a knock, another knock on the Spares offense because he is your best playmaker, and four times is not enough in a must-win game in this wildcard game against uh, the
0: Eagles. One other general thought about the whole entire offense. Uh, Again, they finished 5 of 16 on third down, which, of course, is not good. That's less than one-third, a 33% conversion rate. And the reason is because the Bears had a lot, especially early on, um, and also some crucial moments like the drive that started with 12 minutes left once they took the lead. Uh, Some quick three and outs due to having some negative plays on some early downs. And we talked about it in the preview show. Just how important it is to get some of those positive plays on first and second down to put Trubisky in a third and manageable, not third and long. There were too many times they were just like third, eight and plus. And that's a big reason why the Bears struggled so much on third down today, the uh, because they're able to kind of like send the hounds a little bit and get after Trubisky, force him out of the pocket. And when they switched up from zone, the man as well on third down kind of gave uh, the entire offense a little bit of fit. So. Just to sum it up, third downs could have been way better than they were today. I know the Eagles brought together a defense that's been playing well over the last month, um, but still for a Bears offense that has been converting at over a 40% clip on third down to finish less than 33% um, due to some negative plays in early downs was a definite disappointment for me. All right, guys, let's go ahead and just jump right into some player specifics. And we did talk a little bit about Mitch because he was Nick's M V B today, but, again, Mitch really kind of stepped up here when the situation called forward it down the stretch today. Brandon, I'd be curious your thoughts here. I think Nick said it best when he said Mitch kind of grew up um, right in front of our eyesight in that second half, and, Nick, I did see your tweet. Yes, this does really suck. I understand. <laughs> Hang in there. We still have some show to go, but uh, go to over. go ahead, Brandon.
1: Yeah, I think that, that Nagy kind of pushed Mitch a little too much today because, like I said earlier, I don't know how many times we've seen him throw more than 40 passes this season. That just kind of seems out of the element. And I don't know if it's just because of a playoff game. He's trying to silence the the media critics. And, you know, Mitch is a good quarterback, and, and he is, but I think he just kind of forced the issue today a little bit. And he had the nerves early, like we've seen, uh, missed some easy passes, forced a couple things, uh, uh, almost had that interception early on on the sideline on the Allen Robinson out route. Uh, it was just really a good play by the DB jumping that route, but he read it the whole way. Uh, there were a couple other – and later in the game, we've seen him hit these aggressive downfield open routes because the receivers are beating the, the DBs in one-on-ones, but there's also times where he's threading the needle uh, early that didn't really need to be threaded. and Then later in the game, he's completing those passes. So he's uh, taking the lessons that he he learned from Matt Nagy earlier in the year. You can make a mistake, just don't make it twice. Uh, I thought we'd seen that exact mantra in the first half and then flipped around again in the, in the second because he was making the plays that weren't made in the first half.
0: Yeah, and Mitch in the second half, just to put in a comparison, at halftime he was 13 of 23 for 105, 4.6 yards per attempt, and he finished here 26 of 43, bumped his average up to at least 6.5 yards per attempt, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but when your average is down, it's really hard to kind of bring those things up. How about you, Nick? Anything else about Mitch? Um, The one thing that I am surprised at,
2: uh, uh, Mitch Trubisky still had a good game despite being able to be functional, I guess, and effective on the ground. Uh, rushing, he only had three carries for nine yards. Now your typical Mitch Trubisky, get outside the pocket, make plays, extend plays with your legs, but you're still able to do good things in the pocket, which I think is the most encouraging thing from this game because all seasons about oh, can Mitch Trubisky actually be an effective pocket passer? And at times this season, he's been inconsistent with it. But he showed in this game, especially uh, in that third, fourth quarter, that, hey, if you give him some time, he'll find the open guy, deliver some accurate balls, especially on the deep ball, which, again, he wasn't that consistent with this season. So, look, the Bears season ended. Obviously, we're all disappointed, but I'm still – I think I'm coming around a little bit because I'm just seeing and remembering just how good – Trubisky was on those very crucial downs and passes that he's been missing uh, sometimes this season. So that that is definitely gives Bears fans a glimmer of hope. And knowing that I'm going to bring him up, Cody Parker will
0: be gone next season.
2: That also gives you some glimmer of hope as well.
0: Jab, jab, combo, uppercut, whatever we have to do here uh, to kind of keep exactly. us going through i um, at one point, um, after that touchdown pass to Allen Robinson here in the second half, um, I think Kevin Fishbane tweeted this out. I want to make sure I credit. Uh at that point of the half, Trubisky was ten of fourteen for hundred and fifty eight yards um in the second half with eleven point three yards per attempt, just to kind of again, i was trying to put it in perspective, just the night and day difference between uh, the first and the second half. But, guys, really, the only thing I can say about Trubisky that we haven't yet, and we probably have already said it, and I know we have, I'm just going to reiterate it, is just the big throws that he made in the second half. I mean, some crucial situations down the sideline to be accurate. And he had a few passes earlier in this game that were close to being intercepted some very dangerous throws. Um, he was able to kind of not let that affect him. Um, and again, with like Nick said earlier, with the potential leg injury too that he had to kind of fight through as well, didn't let any of that affect him. Didn't even when he was down, someone who is making his first ever playoff start here in his second year in the league, coming out there, get a couple of big, uh, got a big pass down Robinson to put the Bears in a position to win. And that's something that a lot of people maybe outside of Chicago don't think Mitchell Trubisky can do, but I think he proved today on a national stage that. When it comes down to it and it comes down to crunch time, he can step up. He can be the guy to lead his team to a victory. The only thing is we might need a kicker. All right, guys, moving on to his targets through the year. We talked about Allen Robinson as well uh, with his big day for over 140 yards through the year. Josh Bellamy coming up with a big catch as well. And then on top of that, Anthony Miller's catch, no catch because of no one picked up a fumble thing, which is still... Some weird, obscure NFL rule that hopefully gets uh, visited here in the owners' meetings this offseason. Again, it seems like here in Chicago, the NFL has something about taking away catches from Bears players with the last name Miller. Yeah, of course, Zach last year with his touchdown. Anthony Miller here today as well. But, uh, Nick, how about you, uh, wide receivers? A little bit of tight ends. They didn't get a lot of action today. And, of course, uh, running backs as well. Who kind of stood out for better or worse? I'm going to go
2: with Adam Shaheen, and I alluded to this play earlier when Cravon LeBlanc, former Chicago Bear, has a open tackle on him. I think it was a third down play. Shaheen is six foot six, two seventy, two sixty. Cravon LeBlanc is about five foot hundred and ninety pounds, but he decides to try and juke him, and gets tripped up because his feet leave the air on the juke. Gets tripped up. Is short. Bears have to punt. And this is a guy that has to step up second round draft pick. Trey Burton's not playing a guy that you, you need to, he needs to make play in this offense now with one of your starting tight ends out of the game. But look, he tries to juke a nickelback who is completely undersized. And that's not what you want to see out of your tight end. You run him over, just lower the shoulders, do whatever you have to do. Get that first down. It wasn't that far. That's where you have to, that's where you're thinking. Maybe if you have a Trey Burton, maybe does he, does does he do the same thing? Does he try? With, I don't know. But that play really stood out to me because it was just a punt after that. The Bears offense could have sustained that drive. But, yeah, it's Adam Shaheen. And look, this is what second year now. Obviously, he was injured uh, last year. Didn't do much this year. was injured as well. So you're kind of wondering, well, what is he going to be? Is he even going to be a factor in this offense? Because he hasn't been uh, right now up to this point, two years into his NFL career.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. One that I'm sure we will discuss a couple of times throughout the offseason. Brandon, over to you. I'm curious your thoughts here.
1: I just kind of want to counter the Shaheen thing there. It's hard for to run someone over when they're going for the knees, I think. At least I'd have a hard time being six seven going down that low to, to truck someone over, but that's just my uh my opinion there. But regardless, Uh, I think Taylor Gabriel is a guy, you know, he had four receptions, saved 37 yards, nine targets. He made the big catches when he needed to. Some of the passes that were targeted his way were inaccurate. He didn't stand much of a chance uh, getting some of them. I think of his last pass uh, that Trubisky threw to him uh, where it was – you know, he had about three guys around him and the pass was about five yards short of him. So, I mean, those situations like that, I understand. But when the pass was supposed to get to him and it was a big play that was needed, Terry Earville was there to make the catch. And that's what we brought him in for. So it's nice to see uh, even when the game's on the line, it's a close game. He's still out there making big time plays when it absolutely calls for it. And I just love Alan Robinson with all these double moves on these young guys and even Trubisky incorporating uh, the pump fake to draw some of these guys, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, he. The DB is going to have Trubisky beat here. It beats him up over the top. I love that aggressiveness. wish we would seen it more in the first half, like we've already said. Uh, But I think that the two bigger guys, uh, Alan Robinson and Taylor Gabriel, uh, showed up and did absolutely what they needed to today, provided Trubisky with a security blanket and was making the big-time plays when it was needed to. And I think that's really all that you could ask of these two guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you look at a Taylor Gabriel, um, his catches today, uh, four for 37, along a 19, which I believe was a big third down. Excuse me. Third down pickup here late in the game. Like you said, every time he touches a ball, he's finding a way to make an impact. And that's something that you want out of your receiver. It's something we've seen out of Taylor all year long. But um, outside of that, Anthony Miller came up with a few different uh, really good catches as well. On top of the one um, that should have counted uh, one last time. Let's make sure we kind of get that point across. And then Ben Broniker. Can I just today. add real quick? No, you can Before
1: we move on to the <laughs> that I don't know how the NFL expects that to be a, a not catch when they stress how much that you can't, you know, they want, you know, the coaches tell you to play through the whistle, but the refs say as soon as the the whistle blows, the play's dead. So no one goes to pick up the ball when the ref's the only one running towards it, or else you're going to get non-sportsmanlike conduct. So I don't understand how that's even supposed to work. I think that's something that needs to be addressed, like you said.
0: Exactly. Real quick, Matt Nagy stepped up to the podium. Um, He started off by thanking the fans, and uh, one of his quotes that started off was, he hopes that we can be better next year, which I I think we're all agreeing. We want to see the continue ascendance here in Chicago, but regardless it's still a very special season here one that exceeded all of our expectations even though we're sitting here a little bit upset and disappointed here on a Sunday night here in January the season lasted one week longer uh, than we've have over the last eight years but hopefully this is the stepping stone kind of like uh, the Bears game against what was it the Carolina Panthers before the Super Bowl run year when they lost to Jake DeLome and the year after that's when they went to the Super Bowl so maybe this is that year that kind of the playoff loss, it gets that core group hungry for more, and the next year they take it to the next level, but that's just how I kind of remember things, and I think I'm right again. I'm a little bit, I am want to say foggy right now as we're kind of going through this <laughs> show, and I'm also dealing with a pretty brutal cough from the weekend, so apologize if it kind of comes out here on the show, but Brandon, I'll go right back to you here because the offensive line, you said they did a good job, and I agree, I, they could have done a better job at some times, I believe as well, um, yeah. but... They had a very tough task. I talked about in a pregame show, the Eagles had the highest quarterback hit percentage um, out of the league. I think they were hitting quarterbacks on over 12% of their dropbacks and getting pressures on about 20%. So they had a very tough task today, and overall, I thought they did well, um, but still wasn't maybe the best outing that we've seen out of this unit because they've been able to uh, handle Minnesota, same thing with the Rams, but today they struggled a little bit more than I expected. Uh, What's your take here?
1: I think part of that falls on Trubisky and his nerves early. That's when I felt that the offensive line really struggled. And I think Mitch kind of uh, um, highlighted that, I guess, with his happy feet. Uh, Just wasn't really comfortable with a little bit of pressure. We've seen later in the game, Mitch is able to stand in the pocket with guys surrounding him and deliver a couple really good passes uh, downfield. So I think it was really uh, Trubisky kind of uh, having the nerves, the happy feet that we've seen earlier in the year in these primetime games, uh, really affecting the play of the offensive line, making them, I don't want to say make them look bad, but, I mean, overall, the, the offensive line, Kyle Long had his hands full of Fletcher Cox, like I said earlier. Uh, the the tackles did a very good job. Uh, even Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen uh, being blockers uh, out of the backfield were able to pick up, you know, a few of the blitzes, because I think that's all Philadelphia sent all night, was a few. Uh, so outside of that, I mean, they kept their their four guys pretty well in check, only allowed two sacks, and I think one of them was mostly on Trubisky, just not really knowing where he's at on the pocket and where the other guys are at, that one that created the third and 19 uh, when he got sacked on the second and twelve play. Uh, so I, I thought the offensive line did an overall very well job. Fletcher Cox, so he's just an animal. It's, it's tough to beat him and Aaron Donald. Uh, so, so the fact that they were able to shut down Aaron Donald the way they did I really should say a lot, but
3: Fletcher Cox is just as a... Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
4: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold.
3: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Good to player.
0: Yeah, only finished with one tackle, though, today, just to put that in perspective. Yeah. And uh, Kyle's brother, Chris, uh, looks like he was straight zeros across the box score here as yep. well. Uh, how about you, Nick? Anything about the Bears offensive line that you believe is pertinent to bring up? Uh, there were a couple of times where I thought
2: Kyle Long was, uh, you know, beat in a couple of plays, but when you're going up against Fletcher Cox, that's going to have to be such a great inside presence uh there on their Eagles uh defensive line. But nothing much. Like you guys said, they could have definitely played better, especially on early downs, especially first down. There are a lot of negative runs for Jordan Howard, and when you're already behind the chains against a good pass rush, that just makes life a lot more difficult for Mitch Trubisky. But other than that, um, I'm just watching this video on Barstool Sports of this guy. He didn't even watch the Cody Parkey field goal kick. And then when he realizes that uh, it wasn't good, it looked a lot like my reaction. I should have
0: recorded to see what that (laughs) was like. That would have been bad, actually. So probably the best. Probably so, but I wish he would have periscoped that because I would have watched it for sure. Uh, Real quick, one last thing about the Eagles defense. Did Craven get like a last name pronunciation change? Because when it's here, and I know we've played in primetime a couple times, it's always Craven LeBlanc. And now it was like getting all French accent with it, like LeBlanc. <laughs> you noticed like, that too? <laughs> I was like, okay. I don't know if he like made that a point of emphasis because I know they've said LeBlanc in the past, but okay. Uh, that's that's the only thing I had to bring up about that. Uh, I didn't think he killed us today by any means. Of course, he had a couple of nice plays, but it was actually fun to watch him and Anthony Miller kind of battle because that was a battle that we watched a lot in training camp when we were down there in August and late July. Uh, LeBlanc versus Miller, especially as Miller kind of rose through the ranks from being on the third, second string offense up to the starters here later in training camp. Just a fun battle that was uh, kind of reminded me a little bit of the training camp days, which kind of puts the season in a complete, you know, full perspective. But other than that, guys, any final thoughts on the offense before you kind of transition over here to the Bears defense?
2: kind of wish we saw Cleo Mack score, you know, when you yeah. see him <laughs> out on the offense, that would have been pretty cool. But um. In all seriousness, I think this offense will get better next season. I mean, this is we look blown expectations for this season. What they were able to do and the spurts that they had this season, where they looked really good, and they were just developing the running game at the end of the season. Let's see with Matt Nagy coming into year two, what this offense can really do. Mitch Trubisky being the second year, it, it had its ups and downs for sure, but overall, I'm just excited where this offense could be. And with Matt Nagy, it can go, you know. The sky's a limit for this offense going into next season and beyond.
0: Now, I just want to. someone tweeted out? His name is Eli Sherman to us on the account. Um, and just kind of did a comparison of a couple quarterbacks in their first ever playoff game. Uh, Peyton Manning was nineteen of forty two for two hundred twenty seven yards with no touchdowns. Tom Brady was thirty two of fifty two for 312, zero touchdowns and a pick. Drew Brees was thirty one of forty two for three nineteen and two touchdowns. And then you have Trubisky today as well. Uh, for what was it twenty? 26 and 43. Yeah, 303 and 1. So he's ahead of uh Manning and Brady and right behind Breeze. I'll take that company, would you?
2: Absolutely. It's
1: a good club to be in.
0: It is a good club. I wish Club Dub was open though. Speaking of speaking of clubs, yeah. but uh the hashtag came one day too late uh with their nice little uh Twitter emoji hashtag, but uh B, how about you? Any final thoughts on offense?
1: Uh overall it's just a a a uh, young led group and I'm excited to see where the rest of it goes. We've got some some work, I think, some positions to address come the offseason. Uh maybe some chances to upgrade. I mean we'll we'll figure it out once we start getting the NFL drafted free agency and things of that nature. But I'm uh I'm excited where we're headed. There was some very good stepping stones set in the right direction. And I don't want to spoil my two minute warning uh before we get too far. So overall I think the offense just kind of pushed the, the Trubisky thing a little bit. I, I just don't think he was ready for the amount of throws that he was asked to do today so it was a little disappointing on the play calling part but other than that i thought they they did all right
0: all right good stuff guys i don't have anything further to add than pretty much rehashing something we've already said so we're just going to move right along here uh straight into the third quarter of our show in a game like today i don't think we need to take a halftime to really dwell on it much further so let's go ahead and just jump right into the third quarter and talk about the Bears defense that limited to Philadelphia to 300 total yards, 4.7 yards per play. 258 of those 300 came through the air with only 42 coming on the ground. The Bears yet again with a strong run defense only allowing the Eagles to 1.8 yards per rush. Nick, I'll go over to you first about the defense. What are some of your just opening thoughts?
2: You know, I thought that Eddie Goldman just played lights out today, especially on those early runs for the Eagles. He was in the backfield making plays, taking on double teams, stuffing the run. He was just being disruptive back there. And, you know, Eddie Goldman, he's almost like the overlooked guy in that Bears defense at times. But he was really showing up today and really commanding uh, just the line of scrimmage. And I was just really impressed with how he played throughout the entirety of the game. I'm just singling out one guy, but and I know Brandon even mentioned him as his MVP. But Roquan Smith really showed why we went to draft him in the the first round, number eight overall. Just a very instinctive linebacker was covering Golden Tate downfield, intercepting passes. I mean, this guy is going to be a stud. He almost broke Brian Urlacher's rookie record for most tackles, and he was just I think two tackles short. But he is going to be an absolute playmaker for the Bears defense for years to
0: come. Yeah, his interception is probably one of my plays of the day on defense because it was like one of those 50-50 balls where they had to fight for it, and he just completely ripped it out. I believe it was Wendell Smallwood who had that ball. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, for him to rip that out reminded me of 2003-2004 with Peanut Tillman versus Randy Moss in the end zone when he just rips it away from him. So uh, just a shout-out to Peanut there. But, yeah, Roquan Smith, Eddie Goldman, too. And it's funny because they called him an unsung hero, which I'm 99% sure we have an article stating the same exact thing that came out about a month ago. So NBC uh, keeps taking some of our stuff here. and I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the old name reference, you know, if you were watching on Twitter. But regardless, uh, like you mentioned, Nick, uh, Eddie Goldman, Roquan Smith, and on top of that, too, even though Khalil Mack uh, was a little bit quiet from some spurts, he had a few impact plays as well in this playoff game. So overall, I thought the Bears defense, again, they held Philadelphia at only 16 points, which even though it wasn't enough uh, with the Bears only having 15, um, this is an offensive scoring much more into the 20s over the last month with Think Foles taking over. And the Bears do what they did, keeping teams under 20, which is something they've uh, been accustomed to all season long. But how about you, Brandon? Any opening defensive thoughts?
1: Just the one defensive lapse was, was really the, the big key to the game for me. Uh... I mentioned it at the top of the show, so I won't reiterate that whole drive again, uh, but really the defense did everything they could, even on that second drive, the the Aguilar touchdown, Sherry McManus, I mean, that, that is a tough pass to defend uh, out there on an island and one-on-one on the pylon. I mean, you can't get too much further ahead of him uh, because if you let him cut behind you, then he's wide open in the back of the end zone. So it's, uh, that's just a real tough spot. And Sherrick, I think did everything that he could uh, to get to that one as well. And I thought Sherrick also played just a very uh, good game on his own. Uh went down with that injury, but then came back later in the game and had a nice deflection on a deep post route uh, over the middle. And then also was in on a few quarterback blitzes, didn't quite get to him, uh, but he was there in, in all aspects of the game, similar to, to Roquan. And it's nice to get that uh, quality backup play out of a, you know, it's not Bryce Callahan, but he still does a very good job filling in. So overall a very good game by Sherrick McManus as well. And Kyle Fuller as well. Uh, because when Alshon was uh, getting ready to make that uh, unsuccessful touchdown grab that would have uh, put the, the Eagles up, uh, Kyle Fuller, that was the matchup that when he, he shifted down there in the offense said, that's the matchup we want, because Kyle is going to win that one. Sure enough, he gets in there, bats the ball away. So very good job by Kyle Fuller in this game as well.
0: Yeah, I think my two complaints about defense, and again – with the Bears defense like this, you're nitpicking in the point of game, but uh, the one scoring drive that they had um, that ended in the Goddard touchdown was pretty much set up by two very crucial penalties. The one from uh, Adrian Amos, um, that was the unnecessary roughness going after the player when the play was already done. He already dropped the ball, uh, extended the drive, and then following that, a couple of plays later, Prince Mookamara gave up a huge chunk of yards on a... You know, a uh, Passing P. interference. I. There we go. Yeah. You can tell I'm a little bit foggy. I, look, I keep looking at the 1650 on the top of my screen when I look over. And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I keep, it keeps getting to me. But yeah, uh, the PI over there on the left side of the field. So those two plays set up that touchdown. And then again, um, in the second the second time they got down there, or the third time in the red zone, second time in the second half. Uh, like you said, Brandon, they gave it the raw. They got it down to the two. They got it down to the fourth down. They were holding their own. Eagles had plenty of chances. And it was just... Inches. That's a tough route for McManus to hold on to. He had his hand there, and I saw a few people going after him. Like, oh, this is where you want Bryce Callahan. And yeah, I agree. I mean, of course, Bryce maybe makes that play. Maybe he doesn't. Um, but with how well Schickmer- Sch- uh, Sheriff McManus has been playing uh, since taking over, I'm not going to really you know put that on him or put him down in any way because he's been stepping up huge all year long. And that was again, just a couple inches away from potentially knocking that down. It's a shame it has to be, you know, someone like a golden Tate to catch that someone who has been prone to scoring touchdowns against the bears defense for years. But uh, I digress. All right, guys, let's go and jump right into the positional specifics and let's go ahead and start with the bears defensive line. Nick, you talked about Eddie Goldman. He was making plays near at, or behind the line of scrimmage all game long. Some crucial situations um, Especially I saw the one near the goal line, but someone third down as well earlier in this game. So for me, Eddie Goldman's head gets big props. I want to know, Brandon, over to you since you are Mr. Trenches. And I, this is the last time I get to hand something over to you first in regards to that for this season. Uh, what's your take here? I'm curious your thoughts on like a guy like Akeem Hicks who had a very tough matchup today, but I thought he played very well despite the fact.
1: Oh, I didn't. It felt like every time that the Eagles were running on first down, it felt like it was a key mix. They're making the tackle for a loss. Now, you look at the stat line. He only has four tackles and one for a loss. So he's not there on every play. But boy, did it feel like it. He made his presence felt, even if he's the first one busting through the line, making the running back have to change gaps or whatever. You know, he's the running back needs to be able to avoid that tackle. I thought mix did a very good job of setting the tone as far as uh, defending the run. And they did a very good job of that because then Goldman's right in there also to help. So it was. Very good job uh, by those two. And outside of that, as far as defensive linemen goes, I mean, Ray Robertson-Harris, he's not even on here. Uh, I don't see Bullard on here anywhere either. So, I mean, it was just a very quiet day from the outside guys, uh, the defensive ends, but Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman definitely uh, put their footprint on this one, and they did a very good job defending the run. Also did a very good job of getting in there and getting some pressure on Foles as well, even though there was only one sack on them on the day.
0: Yeah, I think that's my biggest disappointment. Um, someone like a Roy Robinson-Harris or John Bullard, both of them kind of being MIA today, which I talked about on the preview show, just how uh, effective they've been lately and just how the entire unit with their depth has been able to make a difference. But today they had a and on guys like an Andy Goldman, um, the Akeem Hicks, and then the edge guys, a Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd too, who had a great game today, which maybe that's a perfect segue. Nick, I know Leonard Floyd is someone that you, you know, of course, are very much behind. So I'm curious to go ahead and get your thoughts on Leonard Floyd, because especially early on uh, the first time the Eagles reached the red zone, he got a big sack on third down, which uh, forced silly to settle for a field goal. But outside of that too, he was making um, play after play today. And I thought um, his first half or his first ever playoff game was just phenomenal.
2: Yeah. He, he really showed up and it's really encouraging because he's, there's the bears are going to come to a decision, whether or not they're going to sign him to a fifth year option or what they're going to do with Leonard Floyd. But, um, the way he played today, it's very encouraging. Like you guys said, only one with a sack uh, on the day. But just what he's been able to do, um, just being healthy, he's a very disruptive pass rusher. He can use a variety of different moves. And he's just not only rushing the passer, he's also Vic Fanjo asked him to drop back in coverage, sealing the edge. There were a couple times I did notice in this game where he didn't get out there. But for the most part, Leonard Floyd did his job today. Um, yeah, I thought he played well and just really ending off the season strong, giving the Bears a really hard decision to think about whether or not they're just going to sign him to a fifth-year option or just you know give him an extension right away. But I think uh, Leonard Floyd, um, overall just had a really good game today.
0: Yeah, he had the the sack that I talked about. There's another one too when oh, I was actually Adrian Amos's interception when he forced falls off his spot towards. Um, Akeem Hicks, and on top of that, he actually got his hand on the arm there during the throw to disrupt that, which led right into, of course, uh the red basket of Adrian Amos, which was a big pick to take some points off the board. The Eagles were just outside the uh the red zone. I think they're at the twenty two yard line when that happened. So just another play where Leonard Floyd potentially takes points off the board for Philadelphia today. So uh, for him to step up like he did, um, is a good sign. Like you said, big decision here. I think he comes back. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't come back. And despite him starting the season with that hand injury, he had a very healthy year, and that's something that was the biggest question mark coming into the season. And I think he was trending in the right direction in the second half of the season. Um, Got very good in December, stood up here in the playoffs. I would love to see Leonard Floyd back to see what he can do here in Chicago for another year. Going over to Brandon, I'd be curious your thoughts here on uh, Khalil Mack, who, again, was a little bit more quiet than maybe we'd like, but still found some ways to make an impact.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he's not the wasn't the sack machine today that we I think were wanting, uh, really needing, I guess. Uh, but he was still able to shut down the run. He didn't allow any RPOs to get past me on that goal line stand uh, when the Eagles had to score on fourth down. I mean, he shut down two of those, uh, right there to make the tackle at the line or for a loss. So I mean, even though he didn't quite make the impact in the the passing game like we would have expected to, he's still able to get in there and shut down the run. He even play a little bit of coverage as well. Uh, But regardless just of the pass rush in general, whether it was Cleo Mack or Leonard Floyd or Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, don't let the one sack kind of, you know, look at, don't look at that one sack and go, well, they didn't quite get to the quarterback. I mean, there were multiple times where guys were getting their hands in the passing lane, just about ready to get the Foles because Foles was thrown off his back foot, just throwing these giant rainbow passes, which were so aggravating because only his guys were getting to him, uh, especially early in the game. So the, the pressure was there. They just could not quite finish the job. Uh, So overall, I don't think this was a disappointing effort by the pass rush by any means. Uh, They just were a step too late, and Foles was able to recognize it, I guess.
0: Excuse me. Apologize, guys. Um, On top of that, too, like I mentioned in a preview, the offensive line for Philadelphia since Foles took over has been playing very, very well. I knew it was going to be a challenge, but like you said, maybe it wasn't to the same rate that we're used to, Brandon, but they did make some impact because even though they weren't getting the sacks, they were getting pressures that forced some bad throws, forced him off, um, his accuracy off a little bit, which is something that we definitely needed to do in this game, and it worked for the most part. It just wasn't as good.
4: Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from tempur our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
0: Consistent As maybe we'd like. But guys, I'd love to move inside here because even though the outside guys had a really good game, I thought Danny Trevath and Roquan Smith, um, we already alluded to Roquan a little bit Two, really did step up here. Danny Trevathan, who has the most playoff experience and Super Bowl experience out of the bunch, I thought really took his game to the next level. There was early in the game, he had a blitz, that forced an incomplete pass. And um, this is all near uh, the Eagles' own goal line. And then the next play, um, he took down that screen single-handling. That's a great play because... Uh, the Bears got the play call in late. They weren't set. They were confused, but he was still kind of able to blow that up. And then on top of that, I saw a couple open field tackles, a few other tackles near right at the line of scrimmage. So Dan Trevathan keeping things in front of him, doing, uh, playing like a leader out there today. So I was very proud of the effort that he put forth. Uh, what about you, Nick? Anything else about Trevathan or Roquan? Yeah, with Trevathan, you you
2: said it where he has this playoff experience, and it really showed. And just throughout the season, it's really showed that with him diagnosing screens. He did it again in this one where if Trevathan's not in the position that he is, I think it was Smallwood who had the reception, Smallwood or uh, Sproles who had the reception on that screen pass. It could have gone for a pretty big gain, but Trevathan all season long has just figured out when offensive linemen are you know, letting people go through easily. They're going off to the side somewhere to set up the screen, but Trevathan's always there to sniff it out. He is such a smart instinctive linebacker and gets everybody set. The bears really have that, that guy that just sets a tone for their defense right then and there. But again, he showed up on the stat sheet. It's as usual, six total tackles, just right behind his, uh, Partner in crime there, Roquan Smith, with seven. But Dane Trevathan, uh, again, showed up today, did his thing. And the Bears really have something special with those inside linebackers, especially in this day and age of the NFL where you need to be able to cover downfield. Those two are some of the best at it in the NFL. What about you, B? I think you
1: guys hit it all on the head. I mean, Roquan was my MVP for a reason. I thought he played the best game that we've seen all year. Coverage, uh, pass rush, defending the run, just a very good job by Roquan, uh, throughout the entirety of this game. And you brought up the screen pass that I want to bring up with Trevathan as well, so I won't reiterate on that one too much. But, uh, like you said, the guy who brought the, the has the Super Bowl experience, uh, brought it today. He was my X Factor on the previous show for a reason because he needed to bring that, set the tone. And I thought he did a very good job of that one. He helped, uh, well, this defense to do everything they could to keep the Eagles off the board. And they, they kept, uh, you know, I think he led this team, this defense, uh, To the, I think the stat was they've only allowed 17 points per game. Uh, The Bears' defense, I forget what the timeline was. Maybe it was for the whole year, I don't remember. But to keep the Eagles under that at 16, I think that's led by Danny Trevathan.
0: All right. Moving on here to the secondary guys. Uh, Nick, early on, they were going after Kyle Fuller. Uh, Do you think that was a wise decision or not? I mean, he was giving up those catches um, underneath as he was playing back off. But I'm just curious, did you expect them to target Fuller as much as they did? He did enter the game leading the NFL with 21 pass breakups and seven interceptions, but obviously they saw something.
2: Yeah, that's a little surprising considering uh, the other matchup, Prince Mukamura, who plays up and bump coverage and Alshon Jeffrey being a physical wide receiver, maybe they would like that matchup more, but they just wanted to test Kyle Fuller, and that was interesting because he is an all-pro corner, but like you said, he was giving up some things underneath, and it's because he does play so far off, so I guess maybe that was the reason why but before even, like, going to the player specifics, I just don't get why Eddie Jackson was activated today when he didn't see the field at all. When yeah. it's, you know, one elimination game, you're just expecting, yes, Deion Bush can start or whatever, but why was he ever put into the game at any point? He has the most continuity with the defensive backs at defense, more than Deion Bush, even though he played the last game, the last two games, but it, doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. I thought, you know, you activate him for a reason, but yet he's just on the sideline. Maybe he's given some pointers or not, but he's still an all pro safety. One of the best in the league. Why not put him out there at some point? There are a couple of plays over the middle where Nick Foles is just kind of throwing it up and it's landing in these Eagles receivers hands. You're wondering, man, if Eddie Jackson's in the game being the instinctive secondary player that he is, does he intercept that pass? I know Adrian Amos had an interception, but still, if you have him out there, it's just another option for this bears defense. Another opportunity that we don't get to see because he just sat on sideline. was just standing on the sideline.
0: Right, yeah. And there's one that Amos should have had over the middle of the field too <clears throat> when uh, uh Fulsa threw it up. Like you said, he was just throwing like, ducks up there, and they're taking forever to get to their spot. And someone with the range of an Eddie Jackson should have been able to come away with a few of those picks. And on top of that too, when you're seeing some, especially in the second half, some of these missed tackles, you just feel like eh, if Eddie Jackson was in there, that would have been stopped way sooner than it was. So I do believe... Uh, we haven't had to say it yet, but this is the game where the Bears did end up missing Eddie Jackson, even though he was active, even though he was suited up, ready to go. Matt Nagy said, I guess at halftime, that he's there if we need him. That's a little bit confusing because it seemed like they needed him out there, but he wasn't out there. And again, if he was injured enough where he couldn't play, give someone else that body so you can potentially use him on special teams or in another situation. Um, But yeah, it's a little odd. Uh, I don't think Dion Bush lost this, this game by any means, but... Regardless, uh, Eddie Jackson is your most dynamic player in your secondary who can change games with on um, this great, you know, knack for pick sixes and game altering interceptions. But and instead he's just on the sideline watching and you have to wonder what if he was out there, especially in a couple of those plays like Nick just mentioned. How about you be?
1: Yeah. I kind of wanted to counter, uh, what you guys were saying, you know, about Eddie Jackson not being out there, uh, because Deion Bush didn't necessarily lose the game. I mean, no one on the defense really lost us the game. When you only give up 16 points, that's pretty dang good. I don't think it was necessary that Eddie Jackson was out there, but then well touched on it. You know, Deion Bush didn't really lose the game, so that kind of cooled my head on that a little bit, because I agree with that statement. Uh, but the fact that Nick Foles is throwing passes, it felt like up to the 400 level of Soldier Field, just letting, and somehow his guys is the only one that's underneath of it. I don't understand that. So that's where you miss Eddie Jackson. Absolutely. I'm on board with that, but I don't, I think this kind of falls back to what we were talking about earlier uh, with Matt Nagy in the first half being conservative with the offense. I think if he was uh, feeling a little bit more aggressive minded in this one, he would have played Eddie Jackson out there. Uh, So I think that just kind of gives you his state of mind going into this one was just to not lose it, and maybe that's what it was with the Chiefs as the offensive coordinator last year. I don't really know. You know, I don't really want to bring that back up because that's a totally different ball game uh, because he's not head coach; he's just offensive coordinator now. But regardless. I think that kind of lets you in on his mindset. I don't think he just I think he wanted to go in here and just not lose. Uh and that's what happened earlier in the year as we've seen against Green Bay. You know, this is almost the same exact story. So it's uh really interesting how it all comes full circle and let you sit here and think about it. But overall, I mean Deion Bush didn't really lose the game. I like the physicality that he brought in this one. Uh laid a couple bigger hits, which was nice. Adrian Amos, my guy, gets his third interception here in the end zone, saves us uh saves the Bears defense some points, is able to get some there. He almost took it out, which had me a little nervous. Uh, but then Prince Mukamara again, just the that killer PI on that first uh, touchdown drive that the Eagles had was was killer, especially after Amos had a boneheaded one before that. You know, so I think that's the third time we've broken down that drive. It's just incredibly frustrating for me, uh, just because I know these guys are much more capable of that. So it, those are touchy things. Uh, like you said when we started this, nitpicking the defense at this point because 16 points really should win you a ball game. The offense just has to come through, and they didn't.
0: Yeah, and I talked about it on Thursday that Nick Foles has an uncanny ability to beat defenses with some touch balls, and that's something that we saw today too. Like you just, like you said, Brandon, seems like he throws it up to the 400-level section and there's no one there besides one eagle. <laughs> uh, and then you have DeAndre Houston Carson 10 yards away going, oh, that's my guy, and then right. it ends up being an easy first down. So, yeah, again, Nick Foles only threw today for uh, 258 yards passing with the two interceptions. No touch- Oh, no touchdowns, I apologize, he had the touchdown. Two touchdowns. Let me let me get my numbers correct here. Again, <laughs> just trying to shortchange them. Every, <laughs> every time I look over here, I see the 16 to 15, and then I, my mind goes blank. That's... Ah, I just need to like cover that part of my screen and just look at the rest of the stats here. My, my eyes just get drawn to it. But again, he's someone who... I guess we a lot of fans were a little bit worried about going up against Super, uh, you know, Super Bowl MVP, and he played very well, uh, just, even with some pressure in his face today. I'm going to give him some credit there. But again, the Bears' defense, when you only go up 16, they did their job today. Just uh, the 15 points on offense is really what it all comes down to, um, and the lack of some points here at the end too. Um, but okay, any final thoughts on defense for the last time this season, guys? You know what? Um, it's going to be.
2: What was that?
1: Hopefully, Vic stays. <laughs>
0: Hopefully Vic stays is right because look, this
2: defense had a phenomenal season. The most turnovers in leave, I think 36, 37, uh, had 50 sacks this season. Uh, Cleo Mack has a year he does. Jackson does as well, but now let's, I don't know if those numbers are, you know, repeatable next season, especially without a Vic Fangio. So realistically as bears fans, even though we had such a great defensive season from, from these bears, I don't know if it's that repeatable. It could be, definitely could be, especially with Vic Fangio. But we had something special here in Chicago and it just ended. It's it's over now. 16 to 15. The Bears season's over. So let's see and hope that this Bears defense can continue to be, you know, maybe this standard. This would be a high standard, but they need to be, at least be a little bit below this or something like that. Because look, Vic Fangio, we don't know what's gonna happen with him. Hopefully he stays. But my concern is, will this defense be as good next season? Hopefully, and there are guys that are just coming in, like Roquan Smith will get better. Max in his first year here with the Bears, they'll probably get some more guys, but you just never know. Defenses can, you know, switch from year to year. They can be good units, but not maybe this good because this was a special unit for the Bears. Yeah, I just
1: want to build on Nick's point. I want to build on Nick's point real quick too. Uh, they had a great year, and even this was a great game by them. Two turnovers, uh, sixteen points should win you any ball game. I mean, I would you know, defense isn't going to shut everyone out every single week. So the fact they give up 16 points and still lose, uh, I think that speaks more to the offense than the defense. This is uh, the most solid core, uh, I think of this team is the defense. So uh, very, uh, very good job, well done. I don't know why I said it that way. Job well done by this defense. So uh, 16 points should absolutely win you a ball game, and they played a very great game in the world on this one.
0: And one last thing here too. It kind of goes back to that one of the. Quotes that Trubisky had during I forget which pregame huddle, but it was on the video that the Bears tweeted out today, but he's like, You're only guaranteed today. And that's what I kind of think what Nick's point is here about the defense. Like, we had a really good defense right now, and even though the hope would be for them to either sustain or even take another step, it's not it's, it's not no it's not a guarantee. It's not like you can just copy paste new season. There were some special things in terms of just sometimes luck happening where the ball was going right in the right spot. It's kind of the opposite here with Cody Parkey. It just seems like he had very bad luck and the ball is going in the wrong spots. I mean, just like with the upright, just some things in this universe is very much all about momentum. And the Bears had the momentum, but now they have to find a rebuild it come the season, come that regular season again, all the way in September. So they have to start again. Is it possible? Heck yeah. They have a lot of talent on this defense. But again, it's not a guarantee and we believe in it. It just. Something to keep in mind as we get through this offseason and to next year. It is a disappointment that a defense like this one that led the NFL in so many categories couldn't at least make it to the second round of the playoffs here and they have to end up being a one-and-done in the wild card round, losing to the sixth seed, losing to the team that you just allowed in a week ago after beating the Vikings away. So it's it's a little bit painful when you think about it that way. All right, guys, it's time to head to the fourth and final quarter, and let's go ahead and begin, well, I was going to say, begin on a quick end, special teams. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Um, I'll give, uh, I'm will give. i confused why Josh Bellamy is returning kicks, number one. I'm glad they gave it to Tariq Cohen because uh, he had a very big play um, with that big long return to put the Bears in a great position here um, towards the end of the game. Patrick O'Donnell was doing a fantastic job doing some coffin corner kicks earlier on in this game. Had a poor time to shank a punt later on. <laughs> I think I, I saw him special teams. Go ahead.
2: I
1: apologize for that one because I said on Thursday he hasn't – I can't remember him shanking one all year and leave it to,
0: <laughs> you did.
3: to
1: Wild card? I know it.
0: <laughs> well, Brandon, thank you for at least shouldering the blame. Now we know where to kind of deflect it towards. Yeah, uh, about, I'll take it. Nick, anything else? I feel like I hit special teams on the head today. You know, I will say this one thing and just mentioning
2: Cody Yeah, Obviously, we're all very angry with, uh, but about the result, but – Don't go adding him on Twitter, sending like these death, any of these like things that go way, way beyond football. That's, that's not right. It's, you know, it's a football game. The bears lost. We're all frustrated. Yes. But he doesn't deserve all this really negative backlash uh, about going after him personally. That's, that's crap, honestly. So he knows he feels bad. He tweeted out that or didn't tweet out reporters are tweeting out what he, what he said in the press conference or. So, obviously, if you, he feels for the team. He knows he let them down. Just let it be that because, honestly, you go further than that. You're just a awful person. C- Cody Park is an awful field goal kicker. But just don't, be, <laughs> don't take that next step and just being an awful person. Yeah. I will say
0: it's okay, like, you know, we're here on the show, and we're taking some subtle jabs at, you know, it's something that we've seen all year with him hitting the uprights, so but we're not going to go out there and call him names or obscenities or personally attack the guy. I mean, he's are making a lot of money to make these kicks. That's a fact. Yeah. And he's not doing it. He's not doing his job, but, yeah, I agree, Nick. Uh, there's a there's a line, and the good thing is there's a, the vast majority of Bears fans, I believe, know not to cross that line. Maybe right now emotions are a little bit high, which I would understand. And with it being a playoff game, maybe spirits are high and not the spirits of our spirits, but like, you know, the, the liquor maybe. So maybe there's a bad combination of the two right now. So hopefully, you know, drink some coffee, sober up, uh, make sure you don't cross that uh, that line that Nick just mentioned there. But guys, I was going to ask you to grade the game. Um, usually, I, at the last one, week 17, uh, for the last couple of years, they grade the season. I don't know if I can grade the season just yet. I think we need to do that later on this week when we do some of our wrap-up shows. Uh, so we'll just take it by the game uh, for, so for the last time, how are you going to grade this bears game? And again, when you lose uh, I'm curious to see exactly how these things go and let's go to Brandon first.
1: Yeah. When you lose, it brings the grade down a little bit, uh, but I'm not, I'm not leaving the B range at all. I'm going to give it a B minus uh, defense played great. Uh, the two turnovers, the interception by Roquan and Adrian Amos are great set the offense up, but really just the offense uh, failed to execute. So the defense really elevates the, the grade here because I thought they played, played very well. Uh, I, that's where you miss Eddie Jackson on those big rainbows that we were talking
4: about. Refers at the 400 level. Uh, so, finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from tempur Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at tempur I think
1: that uh, Matt Nagy trying not to lose this game and preserve Eddie Jackson for later in the year kind of came back to bite him here. Uh, play calling on offense really, really hurts him in this one. Just trying not to lose it. Uh, forcing Mr. Trubisky to throw the ball maybe more than he's comfortable. Uh, but since the defense played well, I'm I'm giving it a B minus. But they they have to be able to execute, uh, especially in the red zone. Uh, coming it all full circle for three in the red zone, they have to be able to execute when there's points uh, still left on the field.
0: And just to put a perspective on that. I believe I saw here in the first half he had those 23 passes, which were a career high for his ever in first halves throughout his career, which. It does seem like odd timing for that to kind of happen, especially with uh, Jordan Howard. I believe at halftime was averaging five yards per carry. So, right. yeah, it, it goes back to that point. But, again, we have all season to break down this game and find, you know, incremental ways that Matt Nagy can improve as a play caller. I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, throughout the weeks and months ahead. But, Nick, how about you? How are you going to grade this game? Because, again, Cody Parky makes that kick. Uh We're talking, our whole tune would have been different. The whole outlook of this game would have been different. And it's one play, but it is a play that, you know, ended the season.
2: Yeah. And I mean, you could put it that way, but there were still a lot of things and a lot of question marks in this game, like personnel usage. Why it's using Tariq Cohen more. The defense has that lapse, that one drive. Uh, Matt Nagy's not aggressive for a whole entire half and then starts to throw the ball downfield. But look, the bears ended up losing 16 to 15. They didn't do enough. So if I had, uh, we are grading this game for the last grade of the year. I have to go C minus. They didn't get the job done. There are a lot of good things that happened, but there are also a lot of bad and it's, it's a young team and 12 and four, like we've, we've said, exceeding our expectations, but they still end up losing. Didn't do enough to win. Maybe if you just take that situation uh, in the first place where Cody Parker doesn't have to kick field goal, take care of it on offense. Just go out and do your thing. It's a good Eagles team, though. They have, ex- obviously, playoff experience. Might have to give it a C-. minus. They didn't do enough, obviously, to win, and it came down to a field goal. And that's probably the one thing you didn't want it to come down to because it's been the most inconsistent thing about this team is whether Cody Parkey was going to make a field goal or not.
0: Yeah, I never had sweater hands watching a Bears game, and as long as I can remember it, then I did at that moment. And just to take that one step further, too, when it comes to Cody Parkey, you can look at the offense, too. Unless he said, I want to kick it from the right hash mark, I was confused why they didn't try to center that ball. Because, obviously, he pushed it just a little bit too much uh, from that right hash mark. So, for me, I would have tried centering that. And, again, they threw it, I think they threw it to the right on the prior play. So, for me, that's just one other thing in terms of game kind of management to kind of pay and For what it's to worth,
1: too, since we were speaking of NFL rules, uh, it's total bogus, at least in the context of this game that you can call a timeout right before, you know, the ball snap. I think once that ball goes, you you know, that timeout should just be void because he made the first one. And that's just me speaking out of frustration, but.
0: I've been trying to forget that he did um, because (laughs) I saw it and I was like, all right, he made it. We should be okay for the next one. But I mean, you've seen it time and time again, how that changes games, that timeout rule um, for them to do that. And again, we're on the wrong side of it here, but I do believe that if it was turned the other way around, I wouldn't be complaining about that rule whatsoever if it right. kind of worked in our favor. Uh, so for me, great in the game, I'll give it a C. I really believe when Trubisky throws for over 300 yards in his first ever playoff game, I mean, that's that's huge. And maybe it took a little bit too long for them to be aggressive downfield. Maybe it took them, a, well, it took them way too long because they didn't do it to get Jordan Howard going on the ground. Um, and on defense, you look at those two penalties that killed that one drive that led to some easy points. And then after that, they made everything very difficult for the Eagles all game long. So... For me, I'll give it a C. Like if Cody Mark Parkey makes that kick and we're talking about a Bears win, I bet you that moves up to like the B range with some room to, for improvement. But still, if you're going to account for all three phases and if you're going to take the final score into uh, consideration here, you have to give it a C. But again, uh, I will. we will see in 2019 if the Bears can take it uh, to the next level here and move it a little bit further into playoffs. Of course, they have to make it there uh, yet again. But with that said, guys, it's time to go ahead and enter our two minute warning our final one of the year. And just case for some odd reason, this is your first post game show that you're listening to this year. Uh, this is where we kind of wrap up our thoughts in the game and put things into perspective, moving forward. So Brandon, apparently you've been noodling on exactly what you want to do for your two minute warning. Cause earlier you said, you don't want to, uh to spoil it, which is crazy coming from Mr. Spoiler alert. So <laughs> I'm going to go over to you first for your two minute warning.
1: Yeah, I just want to take it into a a season-long perspective here. I mean, we've said it a couple times so far that they've really shattered our expectations, I think a lot of us only had them at seven wins this year. So the fact they go out and get 12, get to a wild card round, almost had a bye, uh, you know, that was kind of outside of the Bears' uh, realm, but it was possible during the year that that's something we could really look forward to, uh, I think really speaks to where this team has grown. And we know that, you know, technically, but not really, Mitch Trubisky's still a rookie, I'm not really going to count you know, in my mind, uh, how much he played under John Fox, because that was just such a a bad offensive system for him. Uh, so the fact that we get an offensive minded guy like Matt Nagy come in here, a first year head coach, even at that where we've criticized his play calling this year, whether he was too conservative or too aggressive. Uh, you know, th- these are all growing pains uh, that we talked about from the beginning of the year. We were f- thinking we were going to have a whole lot more growing pains to go through this year. A lot of us only predict the seven wins, like I said, so if I get to come out and get 12, uh, get into the playoffs, uh, first of all, it's just one thing that really I think we should all consider before we start throwing a big hissy fit here uh, about, this, about this game as a whole. And understandably so we should, but just uh, keep us grounded a little bit. You know, we've really grown a lot. Uh, this defense has been so much fun to watch. You know, Roquan Smith growing up in front of our eyes, bringing in Cleo Mack. I mean, this season was one that we were really not expecting, and it was a lot of fun, so – I uh, just want to say that uh, with you guys, with the team going out to Miami, things of that nature, uh, all the the NFL draft stuff we did way back at the beginning of the year, uh, all the way to training camp. You know, Miami, like I said, being here on post game show, you know, as much as we could. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed this season. It's been fun to talk about Bears winning football for the first time in the the history of of this podcast. So it's been it's been great, and I appreciate it.
0: Very well done, Brandon. I definitely agree. It's been a long time coming, and it was a very fun season. It was actually odd, especially in the second half of this year when we had win after win after win, and it's like, wow, we're doing victory postgame shows, and it became a regular thing. In years past, it was such a rarity, and it's was like, what do we do? How do we break down a win? How and do we, that, right? <laughs> this year, it became routine, which is uh, both, you know, it's fantastic, and of course, it's exciting to see if we can kind of build off of this, but yeah, when you finish 12-4, and 4, in uh, the regular season. And of course, the only thing is a 7-1 at Soldier Field. This is the worst time possible to find you know that second loss in your own house, uh, something that they've been trying to protect all year long. Uh, to a team that's only 4-4 four four on the road all year long. But still, not trying to bring us down anymore. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there before I forgot. Uh, Nick, I want to go over to you for your final two-minute warning of the season.
2: Yeah, obviously 16-15, This this hurts. This loss definitely hurts. And you can go back to the very first game of the season where we lose 23-24, the Packers. But look, 12-4, the Bears were the NFC North Division champions. We had such a great time covering this team from the beginning into the unfortunate end that just happened, you know what, maybe an hour ago now, whatever it may be. But this Bears team has exceeded expectations. They're far ahead of schedule. They have some things to clean up. There's going to be some question marks. Field goal kicking is going to be like number one going into the offseason. But the Bears are a good football team. They had a hell of a season, and they have a bright future because they have Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy there. We'll see one of the question marks, Vic Fangio. Will he stay? Will he go? Um, There's there's some things that they're going to have to work out, but like I said, they exceed our expectations. I'm happy to see that this team can compete with the reigning Super Bowl champions, can compete with any team really in the league, and they're going to continue to do that as long as they keep this young core that they have, which they will, and just continue to build and grow as a team. Again, they will do that as well. This Bears team's going to be just fine. Um, it's unfortunate that it ended today because we all knew what this team was capable of, especially that defense that they could have gone. Who knows how far had Cody Parking made this field goal? But I'm happy that we're going to we are covering a good Chicago Bears football team, a winning uh, Chicago Bears football team, 12 and four. Uh, should be excited about 2019 and years to come because this team's only going to get better. And it starts with that offense. And once that offense starts to gel uh, and you have this defense, good luck. Honestly, good luck. It's a young team. They got, they face a very experienced opponent in the the Philadelphia Eagles. And they had a hell of a run last year. Maybe that's going to be the bears in 2019, but keep your heads up. I know I didn't have that in the beginning, but just coming in talking about bears football, breaking it down is really lift up my spirits. And you know, that's what, that's what we do on this podcast. So we give a, Platform for people to come into the chat just to listen, talk about Bears football, through the good and bad, and we've done you know a lot more good than bad this season. So it's been, uh, like I said, a hell of a season. Too bad it has to end right now, but it, it's been great. It has been great, and I'm thanking everybody who listens and follows us for just coming on this ride because it's 2018 will be one that we definitely remember.
0: Good stuff there, Nick. It's actually insane that the Bears lost today with only scoring 15 points. Because this is now our fifth loss, and by only losing by one point, that means all five losses have came by from a combined, you guessed it, 15 points. Jeez. Of course. I know, right? <laughs> the Like I said, the universe is a funny place. It, has, it always tries to find ways to mess with you, whether it be uprights, whether it be 15, uh, it's, all these things kind of come full circle. But like you guys said, it was a very special year, even though – it didn't end the way we wanted. And again, I think if they would have moved on to at least L.A. and lost, I think we would have felt a little bit better after the fact because we had a playoff victory, and we haven't had one of those in a long time. And then we go on the road, and we already play a team that we beat once who's so going to be coming with a bigger edge. Um, but that didn't happen. Uh, we ended up being a one-and-done this year. But like I said, that happened in 2005. They lost to Jake DeLome and the Panthers. And then the next year, they took that. They used it as fuel motivation, and they used it for a big Super Bowl run. So hopefully this Bears team kind of follows the same kind of formula here. But the year, I mean, it was really cool to see this team from the very first uh, play, uh, practice at training camp. Nick and I, you and I went there uh, to go to a majority of those. We went to see the first preseason game in Canton, Ohio. I also caught up the next one in Cincinnati. So to see this, game, this team from the beginning and see where they were, to see where they ended up being this year, it's just phenomenal. And it's exciting to see as a Bears fan and someone who runs this podcast, Um, just um, the potential that this team has moving forward. You saw them move and grow and become a unit and become fun uh, and grow together with Club Dub and all their unity. And you can just tell that everyone loves each other in this locker room, a locker room that was, I would say, even though we were losing under John Fox, was getting better year by year compared to where it was under the previous regime of Mark Trestman. Uh, To see where it is now, it just feels so good. It's very exciting, and I'm really looking forward to the next steps. Uh, I'm really not looking forward to offseason talk. Actually, uh, we don't have a first round. We don't have a pick for a while in the draft. Uh, for agency, it's going to be a little bit limited, so it may be quiet. Uh, we may have to really you know, stretch our minds to find some talking points on this podcast. But still, it was a fun year. Uh, Trubisky grew up a lot. I think he exceeded our expectations for his first year in this offense. Um, and on top of that, as well, we just saw guys like an Anthony Miller. Uh, become a touchdown machine. We knew he had a lot of potential, did not expect him to lead the team in touchdown receptions at the end of this year. And then on defense, Khalil Mack falling into our laps week one and look exactly where that took this defense. So I'm very excited to see exactly how it all plays out. But what I'm disappointed in is that next week we were planning on doing a post-game show in person if we moved on, but now we don't have to guys.
2: Yeah, that is so unfortunate. Together, looking- though.
0: We could. I was about to say. I think we need an end of the season dinner then to kind of commemorate a, a very, very excellent. I'll call it an excellent 2018, despite it ending in the play, You know, in the first round here in the wild card. So, you guys down for dinner this weekend? Yeah,
1: let's do definitely. it. Definitely
0: sounds good to me. But first, we have some podcasting to do. Still this week, I'm excited. We need to do an audio Audible mailbag. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to join in for that one because I don't have to meet the opponent. I don't have to do some matchups and keys. So I'm definitely, uh, guys, I'm up for hire if you want me on the mailbag.
2: Yeah, for sure. That would be interesting.
0: Yeah. It would be interesting. I try. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast. And like Nick mentioned, thank you to each and every one of you who listen to the show. Watch us here on YouTube. Follow us on any of our social media, You know, a combination of all three. Really, no matter how you you know keep in touch with us or however we enhance your Bears experience. I just want to say that it's something that we don't take lightly. Um, I think I said this a year ago um, in terms of our podcast, You know, we don't want to be the only Bears podcast you listen to, but we want to be your favorite, if not one of your favorites. So I really hope that we do kind of adhere to that standard. And if you ever have any feedback for ways that we can improve the show, uh, we're always looking forward to it. But all year long, we allowed you to meet the opponent, we gave you some mailbacks to get your voice heard, we gave you in-depth game previews, took it a step further with some matchups and keys, and I really do hope um, that you appreciated all the efforts that we put forth each and every week. Um, I do believe this is our fourth year and by far is our most consistent year in terms of always churning out content, so I just... You know, really, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for making this possible. It wasn't easy making a name change here in December, um, but you guys stuck through with us and you made it much easier than I thought it may end up being. Um, that was probably the most stressful week of my life, but having the support of all of our listeners, everyone following us really helped uh, get through that time. And to Brandon and Nick, you guys, I just want to just thank you both for another great year. You know, Not only are you guys two you know fantastic co-hosts, but you're also two great friends to have and I'm very excited for our future here on the podcast for yet another year. Uh, 2019, it started off with um, you know a bang with that win um, with Minnesota, and now we have to see exactly what we can do with us at the end of 2018. But still, uh, 2019 is when we got to you know we feel about it and relish in the fact. But even though 2019 ended, well, began with a loss. I'm very excited to see how this year, this calendar year, is going to play out. But I just want to thank you guys for all the work that you guys do, and of course for always being. I'm a great group of guys to hang out with, talk Bears football with. And, of course, I'm looking forward to our dinner here this weekend. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it, guys. 2018-2019 season is a wrap.
3: Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
4: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold.
3: Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at slash protect It's your future. Let's protect it.
0: The Bears end of the year, uh, twelve and five. If you count this playoff loss, we have a lot—not not a lot of work to do. I say a little bit, of re, a little bit of refining to do this off season to take the next step. in here in Chicago. And, of course, just like we are throughout the season, we're going to be here all off-season long, every step of the way from uh, free agency to the draft to minicamp, OTAs, uh, and then training camp again. Uh, but if you stick with us, I promise before you know it, July is going to be here. And, yeah, another year of Bears football will be upon us. It may seem like a long time, which it kind of is, uh, but we'll do our best to make sure that uh, we make the time go as quick as possible and keeping you as up to date um, as uh, you would like here on your Chicago Bears. So, again, like we all said, very tough season. Oh, not tough season, tough end of the season. And hopefully, uh, now that you've listened to this entire postgame show, you feel a little bit better about the future and you're able to breathe a little bit now that we're, uh, what, an hour and a half-plus removed from uh, the end of this game. But that's going to do it for the year. Until next time, uh, I promise we'll be back very soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago.